We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good afternoon to all those in Irish Breakdown land. I'm Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. With me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And welcome to the show before the show. Today, we Notre are... Notre Dame, are Georgia Notre Dame, Tech. Georgia Tech, baby. And Notre Dame has a game to play on Saturday, and it's their final home game of the season, which means it is senior day. And Notre Dame has come out flat on senior day uh, in the past. And so, you know, you want to make sure that that is not the case. Now, Notre Dame has a lot to play for. And so I'm hoping that that is not the case. Uh, But looking forward to it. It's a 2.30 kick. Um, But today we are going to talk about the Notre Dame offense versus the Georgia Tech defense and what those matchups look like and where we think the advantage lies. This is our advantage show, our stacking up show. Um, and so let's just dive right in, Brian. Let's talk about, excuse me, this Georgia Tech defense overall. Watched a few games. It ain't good. <clears throat> it's, <laughs> it's not Virginia bad. You know, they think. were, they, they well, overall. it's close. <laughs> it's close. And the reason yeah, I right. say it's close is actually Georgia Tech's numbers are not good on defense. But they yeah. were actually a pretty solid defense early in the season. You know, they had some good success early on. Of course, they had that performance against North Carolina that was just outstanding where they held North Carolina. I think it was like, was it 22 22 points? They held Clemson to 14 points. They lost to Northern Illinois, but they only gave up 22 points in that game. And then kind of they played Pitt, and Pitt absolutely destroyed them. And they haven't been the same team since. They they were 2-2. and They had just beaten North Carolina. They were six points. I mean, they had every shot in the world to beat Clemson, and you're thinking, man, they only lost by a point to Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois turned out to be a pretty good football team. And then Pitt beats them 52-21. to They win the next week against Duke, who's awful. They won 31-27, and since then they lost 48-40 to to Virginia, despite having an early lead, a 13-0 lead. They lost 26-17 to Virginia Tech, 33-30 to Miami, 41-30 to to Boston College. And they're, they're, during this stretch, their defense has been abysmal. And it is it is really dragged their overall numbers down. So if you think about what I just said, they're 1-5 in, in their last six games. And during that stretch of 1-5 play, they've given up 37.8 points per game. So in the last six games, which is, you know, they've played 10 games, that's 60% of their games. Right, right. Given up almost 40 points a game. And, and where you're coming from is where you're trending. I mean, it's right. not – they're not going to be able to flip a switch and then go back to what they were potentially at the beginning of the season. They're right. trending like, and, and in the it, you know, Come to find out, as we get more data, those weren't all that impressive performances. You know, they did play Kansas right. State. Clemson's offense has been a mess all season. So, you know, the North Carolina game was a bit of an aberration. But the things that they did to have early success, they just haven't been able to replicate for a, a host of reasons. It's a – it's a, a very unsound defensive system, in my opinion, yeah. Vince. It leads to a lot of just, a, I mean, I, 
I, I haven't watched a defense this season. Like when I watch Virginia, their their guys just aren't very good, right? Like, but you could beat them. You can have matchup advantages. When I'm watching Georgia Tech, every game I watch, there's like, oh, they just turn that guy loose. Oh, they just turn that yeah. guy loose. Oh, they just turn that guy loose. Look, the and most it's recent a really game, unsound. The, yeah, game, the yeah. Boston College game. I mean, they just big played this defense over. Uh, Phil Jerkovic put over. on an absolute clinic. <laughs> he just... threw. They threw. He only threw twenty passes, Vince, and he completed right. thirteen of them, which is about sixty-five percent. And he went for three hundred ten yards. Plus, he had three touchdown runs, and it was seventy-one yards on three carries, and it was just read zones where just like he just takes off and. Yeah, and some hard runs. I mean, yeah, he had some yeah. runs where he was getting hit and, yeah. you know, all that. But, I mean, he was just sitting back in the pocket and just launching bombs. It's, it's well, like his his first like. touchdown to – yeah, his first touchdown to, to Zay Flowers, he gets drilled, but he just launches it down the middle of the field, and Zay's just down there with nobody on him. And he literally, you know, stopped and waited for the ball yeah. because he was that wide open. Right, and it was I that mean, deep, and, and yeah. Phil got hit. And then, he, you right. know, they had a deep corner route where Zay is wide open. And, you know, it was – um but it's like you could say the same thing about Virginia. You know, it's a really unsound team. And we'll get into some specifics as we get into the pass game matchup because a lot of it has to do with the pass game. Their run game is not very good either. It's just there. I think it's about the horses. Yeah. In the pass game, it's about them just not executing and having schemes and coverage assignment mistakes and things like that. But this is not a good defense. This is another game where Notre Dame has to come out and start fast and take it to them. Because they do have some talent on offense, we'll have a different conversation yes, on Thursday than we I will on, on on than we did today. Because that's what stood out. As you look well, at some yeah. of these games, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, they gave up forty eight points against Virginia, but they scored forty. Right. You know, they lost to Miami on the road, gave up thirty three points, but they scored thirty. You know, they lost to Boston College by eleven, but they scored thirty. You know, it was thirty to thirty one at one point in time, right. I believe, and then Boston College scored the final ten points, and that was with their backup quarterback in the game. Because Jeff Sims was hurt, so yeah, they're going to have to they're going to have to put this this Virginia Tech team away or Georgia Tech team away early, and it's just another another opportunity. And we said it several weeks ago. Once they got through the Virginia Tech game, we said the schedule down the stretch is bad, right? And it has actually gotten worse because at the time Virginia Tech had the best. Georgia Tech. I hope I don't say that this entire freaking show. Virginia Tech doesn't even have a coach yes. right now. If, if Georgia Tech. <laughs> At the time, once we got out of Virginia Tech and we looked at it and said, okay, the, the team with the best points per game average at that time was Georgia Tech. Right. They gave given up 27 points a game. In that time, their average has already gone up three points. Yeah. And and so it's yeah, there it's this is a matchup Notre Dame needs to dominate. This is a game, this is another opportunity for Notre Dame to have a convincing style points victory. Yes. And it they need to do it. Virginia Tech's given up 30 a game. They've been given up 37.8 the last six games. Notre Dame needs to meet, match and surpass that mark if they're going to have the kind of impressive. Because here's the thing about this matchup, Vince. This is a bad team. This is a three and seven football team. But you have two advantages going into this game. Number one, it's a chance for you to have a really convincing victory where you because Brian Kelly said something this past week. And he's right. We are playing our best football of the season right now. He's 100% right. Agreed. Now, we could talk about, well, they don't play good team, but they're doing what you're supposed to do against bad teams, beating them convincingly. Not convincingly enough, in my opinion. Agreed. But you're beating them convincingly. You've you've now had four straight victories of at least 10 points. And what was it? The last two have been by over 20 points. You need another one where the committee's like, man, you know, know, that Cincinnati game was a long time ago. Boy, this Notre Dame team is really steamrolling people. Here's the other part of this, though. A week after playing Notre Dame, Georgia Tech goes home and they play Georgia. So the hmm. committee right there is going to have a week apart how Georgia beat Georgia Tech and how Notre Dame beat Georgia Tech. Now, this isn't about saying Notre Dame is going to get in over Georgia Tech, over Georgia. No, What not it at is all. saying, however, because if it's Georgia loses point. the SEC title game, they're still going to be in over Notre Dame, and they should. They've got a great resume. Yes. The point, however, is that you need to start looking like a playoff team. And playoff teams are going to do certain things to inferior opponents. That's just the go look at the numbers, right? And so Notre Dame's going to have a chance to say, well, yeah, Georgia beat them, you know, 30 to three, you know, but we beat them 49 to 17, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing that Notre Dame needs to be able to say as just another late season data point. 
you know, exactly. and then again, you're going to play Stanford that same weekend. Stanford played Oregon, Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. So again, you've got two opportunities in these last two games to really smack two struggling, reeling opponents. Georgia Tech is one and five in their last game, five, six games. Stanford's lost five in a row. You need to put them out of their misery early and 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 keep your pedal to the metal yeah. the entire game. Now that could mean putting your backups in in the third quarter if you're up thirty-one to three. Okay, fine. Let them run the offense. Let run the offense. That's, Don't that's just our sit thing, there. Yeah, right? absolutely. People need to understand. And if you have chances to go for the jugular in the second quarter, early yeah. third quarter, mid third quarter, take it. Absolutely. Don't take your foot off the gas, okay? Because you don't t- taking your foot off the gas is something that the people need to understand. That should never happen, right. ever. And 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 because c- it's a mentality. Now, how you how you don't run it up is you put Tyler Buckner in the game, then you put right. Drew Pine in the game, you put you know, uh, Rocco Spindler in the game, you put John Dirksen in the game, you put Zeke Corral, you know, you get your I mean, back. There's going to the be a hundred guys dressed and they're going to want to get in, you know, walk on. And that's great. And, and, and have your great. walking, to, you know, bring your yeah. seniors off the field, you know? Right. I, right. So, but, but, but when you put those guys in, let them run the offense. Absolutely. Let them go put a couple touchdowns on the board. And that's, you know, if you put your backup defensive players in the game, let them, let them attack. So that that to me is what we need to see from this offense in this game. Completely agree with you. There needs to be a dominating performance from start to finish. You can't leave any doubt on the field. You know, there, there's regardless of what the committee says, there there's going to be recency bias. I mean, it's going to be what have you done for me lately, right? And so um, it, it's going to be important that Notre Dame does what they need to do in this game at home and then on the road as well, yeah. uh, because. Again, great opportunity. The the issue with Notre Dame not being in a conference championship, right, is their last opportunity to impress anybody is next week. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about that more next week. Mm-hmm. But you, you're sitting on that performance for like two weeks. So it's important that you yeah. leave a good taste in the mouth of the people that are making these decisions. Because Notre Dame has, what, a 28-point victory over, over um, Navy, right? Mm-hmm. A 25-point victory over Virginia. They need... 20 28 plus. 30 yeah. plus because if you go into the the final you know the final episode or the final ranking meeting and you're like you know Notre Dame's 11 and 1 they lost to Cincinnati there's no FCS teams on their opponent so that kind of negates the whole data point right. thing but man their average margin of victory the last month has been you know whatever it's been and then you know the the lower scoring games of 10 against North Carolina and 16 against USC you're talking about six games in a row where your average margin of victory is over 20, that's the kind of thing you need yes, to impress absolutely. the committee. Yep. You know, so if you're not gonna play good teams and you need to pound the bad teams you're playing, that's mm-hmm. another way to impress the committee. Because you don't just have to beat a good team to impress the committee. If you go out there and right. just slaughter a team that's not good, then you know they're gonna look at that. And obviously, you'd like to pound a team that's pretty good, but you combine that with the fact you have a 28-point win over a Wisconsin team that's about you know as hot as anybody in the country, not named Georgia or Notre Dame, <laughs> then those things are going to help you out. So let's dive into these matchups, Vince. Notre Dame football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Irish tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need for all of your go-to Irish tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their Notre Dame tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Notre Dame returns to South Bend for their final home game of the season against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. The last home game means it's senior day and you don't want to miss it. Just visit TickPick right now for your tickets. Just visit TickPick.com slash Iris today to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. Again, that's TickPick.com slash Iris today to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's go offense, Notre Dame's offense versus uh, the defense for Georgia Tech. We're going to start with the run game, as we always do. And there are the numbers right there. And uh, and frankly, the numbers aren't fantastic on either side uh, as I just quickly scroll through them uh, right here. But as I watch Georgia Tech, I'm actually surprised that these numbers are what they are. I figured I'd be seeing some triple digits. Uh, but the thing is with this defense. You'll, you'll get there. Let, I, let, well, let me, and just, that was let me be, just give you a little bit of a preview. That was okay? going to be my point. That was, yeah. that was, that was going to be my point. You, is you're that, gonna get there. <laughs> Is that is that you know teams can run against Georgia Tech? They don't have to because mm-hmm. they're throwing the ball all over the yard. Um, that was gonna <laughs> that was gonna be the point that I was gonna make. Well, and, and they're definitely not trending in the right direction. I mean, right. if if you look at again, that's kind of something that matters is how are they playing going into this matchup now. And if you look at the beginning of the season, they gave up 165 against Northern Illinois in the opener. They gave up 154 to Kennesaw State, and those aren't great against those caliber teams. 158 to Clemson, and then they gave up uh, 63 to North Carolina, which is a really good performance. Yeah. Well, since that time, during this, again, this one in five stretch, they've given up 181 to Pitt, 197 to Duke, uh, 240 to Virginia, 237 to Virginia Tech. 174 to Miami and then 195 to Boston College. That's 204 yards a game. Yeah. And that's, I would expect Notre Dame to have a performance in this game yeah. that would start with a two. I mean, that, that would be my, yeah. that would be my expectation because look, Notre Dame still is a run team in their DNA. It, whether we think that that's what they should be or not, they're still going to run the football and they're going to be effective running the football against. Yeah. But you know what? I have no problem with the way they've gone about it recently because yes, they're following up yards, but they're coming out early. They're throwing the football, right? They're spreading the teams out. They're hitting RPOs. And then that's opening up the run game. Right. And, and and so I, I had, I, I, my concern was that they were going to come out down the stretch against these bad teams and just just 13 personnel run it at their Yeah. Make it a a thing that you're not going to be able to do when you play Georgia or Alabama or Ohio state. Yeah, and they have, they have they've avoided that so far, and I, I hope agree. they continue to avoid that these next two games. They've still built around the pass, and it's allowed the running game to be better and better and better. And like this week, you know, they ran for over 200 yards, but they they ran a 37 yard. Re- well, actually, it went for 52, but you had the the downfield holding on the reverse. They had a, another right. reverse later in the game. They ran a jet sweep early to Chris Tyree. It wasn't overly well schemed or designed or executed, but they ran it. So they're still mixing it up and doing the things that that that. I think we need to see them do. And, and that's the important thing. But, you know, you look at this number and just on paper, this is why you always, this is why I always tell people like numbers can lie. If you don't understand how to read numbers or how to properly put numbers into context, then you're going to come away from this matchup with a completely different opinion of what it should be. You say, well, yeah, Georgia Tech's 98th, but they have a better yards per attempt allowed than Notre Dame has yards. They're better in touchdowns. They're better in tackles for loss compared to Notre Dame tackles for loss allowed. And their yards per game is not really that big of a difference. That's why I say you have to look at what's the trend line, right? Like Georgia Tech's rush defense was much better in the first four games during the stretch when Notre Dame's rushing offense was as bad as I've ever seen it. Yeah. Well, in the last month or so, that's been a little bit of a different story, right? Notre Dame's rush offense in the last five games has been much better. I mean, they've gone for 180, 170, 296, 150, and 249. They're averaging, I believe, over 150 uh, or excuse me, over 200 yards during that stretch. I'm kind of trying to do the math now. It's a little bit inflated because you have two games where you went high, but yeah, they're averaging over 200 yards a game, 209 yards a game the last five games. And what we've seen in you know against North Carolina and Virginia is we're starting to see more consistency from a big run standpoint. And I think that's the thing that we need to see in this Georgia Tech game, Vince, is Georgia Tech has been prone to getting gashed for big yeah. runs. Yeah. You know, they, they don't, 
you know, it's they're they're so they 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 can do two different things up front, right? They're a little bit multiple up front. They're they're a three three team by personnel. Okay, now if you look at their depth chart, they show at a four two five, but that's not really how it is personnel wise. They're a three three five team personnel wise. Now what they have is one of their linebackers is kind of like how Marcus Freeman uses his. They just don't use it as effectively. Right. It's Quest Jackson. He's kind of a he'll walk up and kind of stand up the way that you know Marcus Freeman and Clark Lee use the Viper. But they do a lot more odd fronts than what Notre Dame does, which is a player over the nose and a player over the outside of the tackles. And so you're going to see a lot of that in this game. But then Virginia did as well. But what Virginia did against their name is Virginia chose, chose to go with four down more right. often than three down. Right, which is I different be, for them. Yeah. yeah. And I think that people still view Notre Dame as a running team. And and I, I would expect Georgia Tech to do something similar, which helps you out in the pass game. But in the run game, the thing about it is, is they can put all the bodies they want to it. They're still a small defense. And ultimately, that's the thing that hurts them is, is they they have no size really up front. And that's something that Notre Dame absolutely needs to take advantage of as they're as they're get diving into this matchup. Vince, you there? I'm back. What happened to you? Uh, it was a, uh, a a connection issue on my okay. end. So yeah. gotcha. <laughs> I just thought you were so like enamored. <laughs> With my brilliant analysis, <laughs> well, I mean, like, that just I goes nothing saying. else to add. I how it do I follow? <laughs> how do I follow that brilliance? <laughs> goes without saying, uh, you yeah. know. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, looks like Vince is uh, is still having some issues at the uh, old South Bend Public School. So, so again, this is definitely a matchup that, even though the numbers aren't significantly in Notre Dame's favor. I do believe this is a matchup that favors Notre Dame. I think when you look at the direction the two teams are going, when you look at Georgia Tech's defense, like front, when you look at what they do up front, I definitely feel like this is a matchup that that Notre Dame should be able to control and be able to dominate. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a an interesting thing because I think the concern I have is that you can come into this game and you say, "Hey, look, they're you know." If they can kind of come out and say, hey, look, they're undersized, we're going to hammer them, and you do that, that's going to work. But I don't know if that sets them up for future success. I think what you need to see is continue to do what you're doing, attacking the perimeter, getting after teams, using your pass game, be aggressive, and then use that to set up your run because that's ultimately how you're going to be able to beat good teams, in my opinion. All right, so let's get into the pass game matchup. Now, this is this is a really intriguing one because you know, when when I when I look at this and and you look at their numbers, it is bad. I mean, their numbers are bad, but here's the rub. Here's the thing that's confusing. They actually have some pretty talented secondary players. When you watch this team play and you look at the way that their DBs move and just the athleticism and you and you get away from sort of the execution and how are they playing the game and things like that, you realize like, boy, this is a this is a really this is a really talented football team. And you have a hard time kind of figuring out just exactly how they're so bad because their numbers are bad and, and and they're trending in the wrong direction in a lot of these. Like we mentioned last week, Phil Dracovic completed 13 passes for 310 yards, 15.5 yards per attempt. The week before against Miami, Miami completed 22 passes for 389 yards, 11.4 yards per attempt. Just to give you an idea, if you're averaging about nine yards per attempt, you're a really high-powered offense. If you look at like Alabama last year, who had one of the most – explosive passing games I've ever seen last year, they were at 11 yards per attempt, right? So as I just pointed out, Boston College was at 15.5. Miami was at 11.4. They uh, Virginia Tech, who's not a good passing team, completed 15 passes for 100, 254 yards, 10.2 yards per attempt. Virginia completed 29 passes for 396 yards per attempt. That's 9.2. Duke completed... 22 passes for 292 yards, 
10.1, and then Pitt uh, completed 24 passes for 399 yards. Even North Carolina had success throwing the ball. They threw for 306 yards. They just didn't have as many big plays because they did a better job of pressuring the quarterback in that particular game. But, man, I mean, they're they're giving up over 10 yards per attempt in their last six games. I mean, they're giving up big plays. And it's it's, really it's just about, you know, I'd have to really dive into it more. To, to realize is it a technique thing? Is it a scheme thing? Specifically hone in what the problem is. But to me, as I watch film, as I watch Georgia Tech, it's just a, a, a unit that doesn't really understand how to execute the coverages that are being called. The reason I say that is because when you watch it, they have a long secondary, they have an athletic secondary. But what tends to happen is they just turn guys loose constantly. They, they remind me a lot of John Tenuta's defenses. And that's not a compliment. And you, when you, so for example, look at the Virginia game. There were two times in that game in the first half where they just turned Dontavian Weeks just loose. I mean, how do you turn him loose? Well, both times it was something that required communication and discipline as a defense. The first time they brought a, a double boundary blitz. So they brought a linebacker off the edge and they brought a corner fire. So Brendan Armstrong catches it and just throws it to Dontavian Weeks real quick. And there's nobody over there. The safety comes over late and makes him miss. And he just runs in for a long touchdown. It was about as easy of a touchdown as you're going to get. Later in the game, they ran out of a trips formation and they ran a guy up the right seam. They had, I think it was Wicks. He stutters and then goes up like on a kind of a wide fade, like they pump faked a little screen and nobody covered him. It was like the play that Notre Dame gave up a touchdown against North Carolina. Clearly a blown coverage. Well, that stuff happens over and over and over against Virginia Tech. So when you're Notre Dame and you look at this matchup, you have to say, okay, we have better players than they do, but their issue isn't necessarily a talent issue. Brian Kelly alluded this yesterday. So what you can't do in this matchup, in my opinion, is you can't just have it to where it's four verts, you know, and your basic concepts and, you know, you run those things, but you also need to be able to take advantage of why they're not good. And the reason they're not good is they do a lot of post-snap, you know, when, when teams that do a lot of post-snap switches, things we've talked about, mesh concepts, high lows, where, you know, one guy goes here, the other guy goes there, they kind of switch uh, post-snap responsibilities or post-snap alignment, uh, doing different motions, doing things to make them communicate. If you can make them communicate as much as possible pre and post-snap, they get in, they have problems. They're going to turn guys loose. Uh, I think teams that run with with some tempo, not not breakneck speed, but teams that run with some tempo and do those things give them even more problems because, again, they just don't communicate well. They're not a very smart defense. They make a lot of assignment mistakes, a lot of coverage mistakes. They try to be aggressive, which, you know, kind of adds to to that problem. So, you know, to me, those are the things that I look at that I have to see um, – you know, how, how is that, how is that being handled? Those are the things that, that I, that I, you know, when I look at it, I wonder how is this, how is this matchup going to be? So that's going to be um, obviously part of, part of the matchup right there as well. So this is definitely an area where Notre Dame needs to take full advantage, full advantage of, of this matchup and, and exploit them in the past game. That's why I say, yeah, you can run the ball on them, but you can really set up some fun stuff in the pass game and really attack them in the pass game if you want to have some fun, some fun with that. All right. Let me see where what's going on, with Vince, before we move to this next one. Okay. Okay, so it looks like our chat is not up. So we're not getting any new chat. So, yeah, we'll try to get this figured up here in a little bit. All right. So let's go on to the final. So this is we do we do advantages, right? This is definitely advantage Notre Dame. So this is certainly certainly a a uh, a positive for Notre Dame. So let's get into the final matchup. The final matchup is the Notre Dame scoring offense against the Notre Dame against the Georgia Tech scoring defense. And so when you look at this, this is a matchup that I see and, and, and I've, I look at it and I say, hey, listen, again, huge advantage for Notre Dame. Notre Dame had been slowly ascending in points per game. They went down after only scoring 28 against North Carolina. Uh, yards did go up 
obviously a little bit. They've gotten a little better. They've gotten better in the red zone. They've gotten better in third on third down. They're protecting the ball in the first half when they're rolling. They get sloppy with it in the second half. There's really not an area that I look at and I and I feel like Georgia Tech really can compete with Notre Dame. So this is just more evidence that this needs to be a game where Notre Dame comes out and really steamrolls Georgia Tech. It's an opportunity for them to really pad their stats, but more importantly, continue getting to a rhythm because that's so important when you go into the postseason is, is what kind of momentum do you have? What kind of, of energy are you playing with? Uh, what kind of fire are you playing with? All those types of different things. And, and Notre Dame has a chance in this game to really take that to the next level. And we're going to see if they if they can do that. And that's that's going to be a big part of this matchup. So when I when I look at Georgia Tech, I see a team that gives up a ton of points, a team that gives up a ton of big plays. They're not good in the red zone. They're not real good on third down. Uh, they're, they're not good at you know turnovers gained. They don't force a lot of turnovers. And these are all areas where Notre Dame has been somewhat ascending or at least stagnant in recent games. So this is a this is an opportunity for Notre Dame to really come out and be successful and have a big game and, and, and really compete and get after it. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of where, where, where Notre Dame, where Notre Dame is. So, I mean, this is definitely advantage Notre Dame. Again, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. This is not a good defense. This is not a team that Notre Dame should have any problem with. This is a team that Notre Dame needs to come out and, and be sharp and play fast. And they've got to figure out a way to get them sort of going early. You know, and look, Tommy Reese is, knows what it's like to play in a senior day. He's now coached in several of them. You know that they're not gonna, they're not gonna be sharp. So you need to make sure that you come out early and you design some things to allow your offense to get into an early rhythm, right? Uh, kind of go after you know, with quick game, you know, maybe some easy throws, some screens, you know, try to get your running backs out on the perimeter. Don't don't just come out and kind of just do what you do necessarily. I mean, you always do what you do, but you just have some creativity to it. Because what you need to do in a game where where the emotions can be a little bit different than normal, which is what happens on a senior day, what, what you need to do is you need to find a way to sort of initially simmer those emotions, change those emotions get your team into an early rhythm because what can happen is, and we saw this a little bit last year is Notre Dame came out against Syracuse and they just weren't sharp early. They just weren't able to, to really get into a rhythm. They, they took some shots, they turned the ball over, they had some drop passes and they just never got rolling. And they just kind of out talented Syracuse in the second half. This game, you want to come out and start fast, right? So you want to just do some things to try to, change the emotional focus, right? Get it off of the amped up, the senior day, the the different energy, the different, because again, football players are creatures of habit. Senior day is outside of your habit because you're not just, you know, because usually when you, you get to the locker room, it's okay, I got nothing else to worry about. Well, on senior day, you go through all the warmups and then all of a sudden there's this big pause. You get introduced, you see your family, it's emotional, your mom's crying, your dad's super proud. And, you know, it's, it's a great moment, great opportunity, but it's not something where it's so different than what you're normally used to. As coaches, you have to figure out something early to say, how can we flip that script? How can we change that? How can we get that kind of get that going and and say, hey, let's let's get their minds off something else. And then what can happen is if you're not sharp early, if you're not making plays early, if you're not getting after it early, then that emotion kind of builds that negative energy kind of it's not negative energy. It's a different energy that turns into negative energy if you come out and you're not sharp early. And so for Tommy Reese, the key is going to be, how can I come out early and create some opportunities for early success? So, you know, let Jack Cohn get three or four early completions. Let Kyron Williams kind of get some, some stuff going. You know, get get Kevin Austin going early. Get Lorenzo or Braden or May or whoever your, your game plan is going to be built around. The key being getting the quarterback in a, in a nice early rhythm. I think those are the keys to, to having success. And then once you do that against a team like Georgia Tech, it just comes into a situation where it's, okay, they're going to realize quickly, like, okay, we have no chance. We, we have no chance. We, we, you know, we thought we could try, um, and it's just not working. So – I, I think that's kind of where you get into it and say you you start putting successful thoughts in your players' minds and start putting doubt in Georgia Tech's minds, and that's how you have success in this game. Because when I when I break down the film, I mean Georgia Tech is just 
they're headed in a really bad direction. There's no confidence on that side of the ball. The offense plays with some confidence. This side of the ball does not play with confidence. They have like false enthusiasm early, but as soon as teams start hitting them and putting, you know, putting something on them or putting points on them, they, man, they, they, they go down quick. So if they come out and make early stops, they're going to be fired up and excited and, and sound like they're, they're really getting after it. But if if you come out early and, and put some plays on them and put some throws on them and put some big runs on them and jump on them early, they'll 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 I don't say fold because they won't stop battling, but the, it'll get in their head and they'll just it'll just snowball and you end up having a dominant performance. So when you look at this matchup as well, this is also advantage Notre Dame. So that is the matchup between the Notre Dame offense against the Georgia Tech. Defense and it looks like Vince has now finally gotten back in. Now that we're done, so uh, Vince, are you able to join the show? <laughs> now that you're done, yeah. Now that we did the whole thing, dude. So, I don't know what the problem was, man. We'll yeah. call it technical difficulties, but uh, I'm back. Okay. I mean, you just wanted to make me do the show all by myself. I understand. It's all. Good. I mean, you know that the, the people want to hear from you, and they got their they got yeah. their what they wanted. Yeah. So, uh... so we we kind of <laughs> went into the past defense and what the issues were and the lack of discipline, and then yeah. we just wrapped up the the defense and basically talked about how important it is on Senior Day, yeah, to change the emotional narrative early because it is so out of rhythm for them. It's not Very normal. Much. You've got to do something with your game plan to you got a scheme for early success to change the emotion from the senior day emotion to yeah. football emotion. And if you don't have early success, then that, that, that weird energy that you have from senior day turns into negative energy and that's how it compounds. And that's kind of where we've seen in the past. So Tom Maurice has to make sure he yeah. game plans for, I mean, your first couple series, your 15, 20 play script yep. has to be, how can we come out and create early success? And get I, this I, offense rolling. I want to see I want to see the ball in Kyron Williams hands because he is uh, an energy creator, right? Number one and no, number two, I want to see them take some shots, uh, and I want to see them take some shots early. Those are the two things that I want to see from the script, okay? And I realize you there's other ways that you can have success, but I want point success, right? And I want Kyron Williams to have some success because if he starts chugging and if he starts you know starting to feel it, that permeates through the whole group you know what i mean um and, and so that's what i would look for from the first 15 plays getting everybody involved which is great starting with tempo moving the ball and just putting georgia tech on their heels and when they least expect that you take a shot and and you you score some points um i think that you know nothing gets a crowd going like a deep ball touchdown Right. I mean, or or a long run by Kyron Williams or Logan Diggs or somebody of, of, of that ilk. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just uh, that's what I would like to see, because I agree with you. Let, get the crowd on board because they're already going to be all up in the fields with the senior day and everything else. And um, and you're right. It, you're off your your schedule when you do stuff pregame that you don't mm -hmm. normally do. And people are schedule oriented man when you're when you're a ball player and when you're a coach and and all of those different things yeah so, uh when you're off you've got to do something to get you back on. I, i've said this football players are creatures of habit yes and and the more you do things to get them out of their their habit the 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 war and that's why good teams play so well on the road because it becomes a this is exactly how road games go and if anything, road games can be more controlled and more habitual and more structured. Right. And that's what players want and need when it comes to being able to stay locked in. And that's the thing about senior day that makes it a challenge is it is completely outside of your norm as a player. Because right. everything, once I said this to Vince, once you get in the locker room, it is all focused on the job at hand. And the yes. you got a schedule on the board. You know when you're supposed to go out and who's going to go out. You know what your pregame routine is. It's all a routine. This one's different because you do all that, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, no, we've got to wait an extra 30 minutes because we have to do the senior day stuff. Right. And and so that's what it, – it's just a different animal. So you have to coach with that reality mm -hmm. in mind. You can't just treat it like it's any other game as a coach. Right. You have to understand that early game plan needs to be geared towards early success. That doesn't mean a bunch of two-yard passes. That's not the kind of success we're talking no. about. It, it can be no. a downfield pass. But it's something that's designed to where like, hey, I really feel like this is going to come open – and if not, we got an easy check down. Bam, let's get to it, right? That's kind of what I mean, early success. It can be a post route for all I care. Right. It's just about something that you believe is going to be, hey, we know we run this play. We think it's going to be a big play. 
okay, then run it on the first series. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Use it early as opposed to, you know, sometimes you may feel the team out first and say, hey, look, are they doing on film what we thought they were going to do? We don't want to use that big bullet now until we have an idea. But, you know, maybe run a reverse early or something like that. Now, of course, the flip side is if it doesn't work, you get tackled for an eight-yard loss. But Fair enough. But the point is, whatever it is, game plan for early success. If you yes. do that in this game, then that energy, it, it kind of bring it snaps everybody back into, okay, here we are. Right? And it's We're fine. Yeah. We're fine. Let's get this thing going. No doubt. So, yeah, it, it, that's something. That's something I'm looking looking for. And it should be. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely should be. And then, you know, you score quick, you get the defense out on the field, the defense does their thing, and then they get the offense back out on the field to go up tempo and score. You know, it, it, it all feeds each other. And, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, on on a, uh, that Inside the Garage podcast, I like listening mm-hmm. to those guys talk because they bring a different perspective. A, a diff- I, I know I just read I, – I, I have no other words because I've just read all the stuff over there. But – I like hearing from the player perspective. And they're like, we're completely separate teams during the week, mm-hmm. right? Offense and defense. He's like, we're completely separate. And he goes, then we come together and it's so much fun to root on the other side because mm-hmm. now we're all wearing the same color jersey. Right. And so that's the point that I was trying to make is that, you know, when one side has success, it fires up the other side and then they go out and have success. So it's, it's a contagious thing for sure. So Vince, I would assume – you didn't get your chance to do this because you left like during the first session. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I went advantage for Notre Dame across the All board. Across the board. Yeah. What are your concerns about this matchup? <sighs> Again, and this is going to sound similar to Virginia for me. My concerns are that Notre Dame is going to hurt themselves offensively. I, mm-hmm. I feel like they, if they go out with a with a game plan similar to what they had in the first half of the Virginia game, okay, you know, keeping Virginia on their toes, mm-hmm. running some end arounds, being you aggressive, know, playing aggressive, up tempo. Like if they do that, they're going to be just fine. They just need to run their stuff. My, my only concern would be if they just pack it down and start, you know, doing what we fear uh, or have feared in the past that they haven't done recently, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my only fear because I just don't think Georgia Tech can stop Notre Dame. I mean, across the board, Notre Dame has better players. Um, so I want them to be who they are. That That's mm-hmm. my biggest thing. That That's. I want them to be who they are. That that's the only thing that worries me. And nothing about what Georgia Tech can do to Notre Dame necessarily worries me from a win loss standpoint. Uh, I don't think you know they could come out with something that Notre Dame's not expecting, and they could stymie them maybe for uh, for a series. But Notre Dame should check and then get back to what they do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't have any fear that that would be the case. So uh, the only team that can get in Notre Dame's way offensively right now is Notre Dame. Now, it's a different conversation Thursday when we're talking about this Virginia or this. Uh, I see, I did it too. This Georgia Tech offense uh, versus Notre Dame's defense. It's a different conversation. Uh, but for Notre Dame's offense, I, I, I don't think Georgia Tech can do anything to them defensively that they're not going to be able to handle. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think my only concern is, is that you kind of play into their hands of, you know, allowing Georgia Tech's aggressiveness to dictate you to be conservative. Right. I think that would be my only thing. And then just it's kind of like Syracuse last year in that you just allowed them to hang around early. No, no, they put them away late, but you allow them to hang around because of your mistakes. Right. This is one of those games where Georgia Tech can't beat Notre Dame. Georgia Tech can't hang with Notre Dame. The only team that can make this a competitive game is Notre Dame. If they don't play their game, if they turn the ball over, if they're not sharp, if they're not doing what they right. need to do. Right. So that, that, that it, it is. I mean, look y'all they're three and seven right and and, exactly and i can i can channel my inner lou holtz and convince you that this is a good team when they're not (laughs) right okay and i did that as a coach i mean i i've said look i remember reading coach holtz's book when i was you know what because i always knew i wanted to get it i played d3 football i wasn't like i'm six foot 185 pound quarterback playing d3 i wasn't like you know what i think if i get a a good chance i can actually play no i knew i wanted to be a coach i knew i was going to be a coach i knew my last time to play football was in college. So I'd already kind of started to, you know, the thought process. And I remember reading one of coach's books and, and I mean, I knew this kind of growing up, but where he explained why he was that way, basically is like, look, I don't need to rev them up for the Miami game. I don't need to rev them up for Michigan. They're already revved right. up. I, I now it's just about put pointing them in the right direction, right? Point taking that energy and pointing them in the right direction where you need to rev them up is you need to rev them up against Navy against, you know, because Navy back then was really bad. You need to rev them up against Rice and teams like that. Right, exactly. Because, you know, you look – because here's the thing. What I learned immediately when I got into coaching, these kids are a lot smarter than a lot of people give them credit for, which I knew because I was a player and I thought thought that about myself. And it's like you can tell them all you want how bad a team is or good a team is. They're going to watch the film and be like, okay, you keep telling me they're good, but I just watched them give up 700 yards. Right. Right? And and so you got to be honest with them. Like – you know, you know, but 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 then so then it becomes not so much about Georgia Tech as it is about the expectation that I have for exactly. you. You're not practicing like a Notre Dame football player right now. Bingo. You know, you're not you're not practicing like a champion. I don't care about Georgia Tech. I care about the standard we have in Notre Dame. That's what Coach Kelly and his staff need to be doing this week. It's yeah. not about Georgia Tech. Don't try to convince your players that Georgia Tech, if you don't play well, Georgia Tech can be no, 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 no. They have a standard of expect of excellence that we have yet to achieve on offense this year for 60 minutes. That's my challenge if I'm Tommy Reese. You know what? I am tired of this offense not reaching its potential, not mm-hmm. playing 60 minutes of football. That's right. the objective. And those are the things I think Coach Reese and the staff need to be focusing on on offense is, hey, guys, last week wasn't good enough. You shouldn't need Brian Driscoll and Vince D'Addario to tell you that it wasn't good enough to score 28 points on Virginia and only score seven in the second half. That's the one thing I respected about Chip Long. And I, I don't know Coach Reese, so like I'm not saying I'm not saying he isn't this way. I just don't know him like I knew Chip Long. I, I would talk to Coach Long after games and, and he would ask my opinion and I'd give him some criticisms. And then he'd start criticizing things that he did that I actually didn't think were bad. Right. And and Co- Mike Elko was that way. You could not criticize I could not criticize Mike Elko harsher than Mike Elko criticized himself as a coach. And and that's how you need to be. That's how champ. Right. That's how Nick Saban is. Yep. That's you know, how you set the and, standard. And, right. And it's it's not about okay, we won by twenty five. Okay, but is twenty five good enough when you could have won by forty? Right. That's the standard. And so that's the thing that I think Coach Reese needs to focus on. His fellas, we have yet to play sixty minutes of good football. We've yet to play more than forty minutes of good football. It's time that we put it all together. Right. We've got an opportunity here to do something to show the world what we are capable of. Forget Georgia Tech. I mean, you don't say the forget Georgia Tech part, but you know it's not about Georgia Tech. Right. That's what I want to see. And that's that's where that killer instinct comes from. It's about setting a standard and demanding that that standard be met on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on the practice field, in the film session, in the classroom, and in the weight room. Right? And that's where that's where it needs to be. That's yes. where the focus needs to be. That's what good programs do. I mean, good good programs have a standard, and it doesn't matter who they play. 
you play to X standard. Right. Right? And we're not Whoever saying Notre are. Dame's not doing that. No, no, no. We're not just talking that about that's how you focus in on a team like Georgia Tech. It's not Absolutely. about Georgia Tech. It's about you and your Correct. standards. Hey, if we got there and win by 21 and you play like you did last week or, you know, you don't you do not do this, then, you know, it's not good enough. That's the thing is I, I don't care about beating Georgia Tech. I care about making sure that Coach Reese is happy with the with that we that we did what he taught us to do, or that Coach Quinn is right. happy, or Coach Alexander's happy, or Coach Taylor, or Coach McNulty are happy with with the way that we prepared and then the way we took that preparation into Saturday. You do that, the score will take care of itself. And right. and the impressive nature of what that score needs to look like will take care of itself. And that's the frustration with last week. And that's why sometimes I don't in the moment don't don't uh, express why my frustration is there at the moment, you know, because right. again, like a coach, you, you have that initial emotional reaction. And that's what I'm trying to explain is 28 to three is not good enough when you're capable of way more. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you're capable of way more. Be- and the reason that matters is because Notre Dame can't play like they did against Virginia against Georgia and expect to win or Ohio State, or Oregon, or Alabama, or even a rematch against Cincinnati. That's the point, and that's the standard, and that's what we need to see against Georgia Tech, and that's what I'm looking forward to and excited to see because, as I've said before, Vince, this team has yet to play a complete game. The defense has had a couple four-quarter brilliant games, right? The defense has had some 60-minute games. The team as a whole has not, and the offense has not, in my opinion. I I feel like the offense has yet to have a 60-minute game. It's got to happen at some point in time, and now it's no now. There's no better time than now, right? There's yeah. no better time than well, the there's present. no better time than the last two games, frankly. Right. If if you're trying to make a statement, and Brian Kelly himself, he said the words "college football playoff." I mean, he it's obviously on the minds of that team, right? So if that's what you think you are, then you need to prove it. You need mm-hmm. to go out there and you need to prove it. And if 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 that's not who you think you are, then fine. You know, if you're happy with a mm-hmm. New Year's Six game, then then great, right? But I think you should always be aspiring for more, and this team can aspire for more. Mm-hmm. Now, there's there's things that are completely out of their control that have to happen. That that's obvious, right? Uh, but if you think that that's where you belong, then you need to show it. And mm-hmm. I don't have, I don't know how I would have a different conversation with with Coach Kelly if he and I sat down across his table right now. And we were talking about the college football playoff and what teams look like who are in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't know how else it would look. I, I just don't know how else it would look. And so, uh, and I don't think, I think Brian Kelly knows what, a, I, I hope he does, knows what a championship team looks like. And he does. I mean, he, you he, know, he had a three year stretch at Grand Valley where his team was one of the most dominant you're, you're going to see at any level. Right. I mean, he knows what that level. I I think the issue is I don't know if Brian Kelly believes he's capable of the. the I don't think he believes Notre Dame is capable of being that. I feel like he always has this view, and you can tell by the things he says. Like, oh, we can never get to Alabama's level. We can never get to Ohio State's level. We can never get to Clemson's level. We just have to hope we can get to a certain level that maybe if we go play them, we can maybe have a good day. And yeah. and that's kind of been my frustration. And my frustration right. is that you'd think that getting as close as it has would kind of be that fuel to say, Hey, let's man, we're, we're let's take the next step. And in some ways he has, he's been much more involved in recruiting. He's realizing you want to, you True. want to play those teams, go get better players. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, but go, go hire Marcus Freeman. Right. But now it's I, time to do to your offense, what you've done to your defense. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the final thing holding this program back. Final piece, the puzzle. And I don't, again, I don't think that's a Tommy Reese thing. I think that's that's more of a, you know, a Brian Kelly, a Brian Kelly thing. So anyway, yeah. we need to see them take a big step this weekend. That's no question. The moral story. No question. Moral story. So advantage Notre Dame across the board for you there, Vince. No question. And again, we might have a different, somewhat of a different conversation on Thursday when we do the stacking up on the opposite side of the football. But for this side of the football, nothing I saw on film from Georgia Tech leads me to believe that it wouldn't be advantage Notre Dame in all three categories. And honestly, the margin's not that close. So um, Notre Dame needs to take advantage of that, pun intended. Mm-hmm. See, here's a really good question. This is I, lo- I love questions like this. Griff says, shouldn't the game plan be to create early success every week? Absolutely. Yes. A little different <laughs> thing, though. Yeah. What, what I'm referring to is, 
is normally it's like, hey, let's go out and the game plan is going to be we obviously want to go down and score, right? But we're going to come out. We're going to kind of do what we do. We're going to show them some different wrinkles, show them some different looks. We need to see how they react because, yes, you want to go out and score, but part of what you're doing early is to not only go out and score, but you're probing them a little bit. You're, you're hey, let's show them different personnel to see, how, see they how they react. Yeah. Boy, they have no ability to cover 21, so let's just go with some 21 until they figure it out, right? And so you're always looking to build for early success and early, you know, early success. Where I'm referring to in this instance, Griffin, again, this is a great question, is you come out and it's about creating like success, success, a couple successful plays, right? Like, hey, yeah, like there's two ways of looking at it. One is we mentioned earlier, I feel like we've got a chance for big play. Let's hit it early and just get all the emotion out. The other one is, and this is partly knowing your team. The other one is, listen we know we can complete some five yard balls on this. Let's run them because you have to know your quarterback too. If your quarterback is amped up like Brady Quinn, I remember this about Brady Quinn. It seemed like every big game or every like remotely big game, the first three passes Brady Quinn threw were hundred miles an hour and about eight feet over somebody's head. And so what Charlie Weiss started to do was he started to come out and early on, they throw like three look screens. Like he just catch and throw it out to Samarja and, they throw some some slip screens to the running back, some things that weren't necessarily require him to, to, to make a full read when the emotion's high and throw the ball 20 yards downfield because he knew I have to get Brady into an early rhythm. Mm-hmm. And once he got Brady in an early rhythm, he would tear people up. Right Now, other quarterbacks, you need to say, hey, we need to let him loose and, and, and have him stretch it out because he may, he may not. So other court, And I feel like Ian Book was this way. And if you look at the best games Ian Book had in his career – Brandon Wimbush was this way too. The best games they had is when the coaches designed an early downfield shot that hit. Mm-hmm. And and because he was so – he wasn't a natural, aggressive, go-take-a-shot guy. I think Brandon Wimbush especially. They used to do a couple of cor- – like a corner route or whatever. Or a post. Uh, yeah, like first play of the early. season in 2017 was yes. a deep corner to EQ yeah. early. Yes. They threw a post route early against Michigan State to EQ for a big play. Right. Um they did that against NC State. Uh, they did that against Miami, and he missed it. And you know, the rest uh, is history. The rest is history. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but Ian was that way too. Like Ian could get the the concern early on with Ian was he just wouldn't let it rip. Yeah, you know, he just would kind of uh, he'd get so antsy and so wired up that so wired that he just you know he would he his he would go through his progressions a million miles an hour. So the first thing you need to do with Ian is that first series don't make him read anything. You have one read. You're you're doing a half roll and throwing the post. You're throwing the hitch, right? You you get the right. ball out right now. Let's run a slip screen. Let's do things where his mind doesn't have to go through a million reads. And you get him into an early thing. So that's what I'm referring to, Griff. It's not necessarily like early success. You got to go score. That's always your game plan. It's about success from an emotional standpoint, getting into a rhythm. Because not doing so could have a much more negative effect than most games because they're already entering the game in a different emotional state than they normally are because of senior day, because of the running out to your parents and doing all that kind of stuff and getting out of your, your normal game day flow. Right. So that's what I mean. That's a again great question. Yeah, I hope absolutely. that explain. I hope that answers it. Vince, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? No, I think that's perfect. I, I, I think, I think, Early success for me in this game in particular is taking some shots, like like mm-hmm. you said, like the, it's it's the let's get the crowd going, let's get the guys going, let's get the let's get the the fire started, right? Because mm-hmm. there are some games where uh, early success means a long sustained drive. Mm-hmm. That's success, right? I mean, moving the chains, taking some time off the clock. You know, you can still go tempo, but it's a long sustained ten plus play drive. And you end it with a touchdown. That's early success, right? If Notre Dame would have done that against Cincinnati instead of throwing a pick at the goal line, that's early success, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my definition of early success in this game is let's go over the top, let's get some big plays, and let's have some fun with it. Like let's get everybody fired up and mm-hmm. into this game, and let's just do what we do. Like that—that's the difference for me. Yeah. So Vince, advantage Notre Dame. This oh. is going to be a, a big one. This is going to be an opportunity for Notre Dame to really get something going. So um, here, here we go. Here's, let's get to a couple questions here, Vince, before we okay. have to wrap up. John Erickson says, how do you feel about Mayer opting out next season to prepare for the NFL Combine? Doesn't seem as far-fetched as it did once upon a time. 
uh, it does for Michael Mayer. I, 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 we haven't really seen that yet. We haven't really yeah. seen a player, and I highly doubt that it would be a Notre Dame player that would do it first. The only time we've seen it is because of COVID, like the opt out. Like I, right. we haven't seen a full year opt right. out when everything else like is normal. Trying to tell Jadavion Clowney to do that, remember? And yeah. he was like, "No, nah, I'm, I'm going to go play." Yeah. So yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'd be a little bit. I'd be very surprised by that. I'd be very surprised. Very surprised yeah. by that. And, I and again, I, I think. You know, yeah, we'll see. The NFL needs to be careful because the NFL doesn't really care about college football. But you need to be you need to be careful as an as the National Football League, and making sure you don't start allowing that precedent to be set because it's going to come a time where they may say, "Hey, I'm on my rookie contract. If I sit out next year, you know what I mean? Like, I, you yeah. know, it just yeah. And, and I know the rules are different and all these different types." of things but you just need to be careful that you're not setting out that process you know to me that's a pandora's box for college football and that's you know could it end up being that way i hope not um because look there's it would be tough because right now the college football is the minor league of the nfl and when you start damaging that product you're going to end up damaging your product is what's Mm going to end up happening in the long run so because there's only there's really only a handful of guys that could get away with that and mm-hmm. still be successful in the NFL. And so, but if you start doing that, in my opinion, more guys are going to do that and it's going to hurt them. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's going to hurt the play at the NFL level as well. Mm-hmm. And eventually the tide will turn back to guys playing more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it would be cyclical, but I think that time would be bad for mm-hmm. college football and the NFL for that matter. But mm-hmm. that, that's just my prognostication on it. I like this. Adam D- uh, Dernay. I like your take on standard of play. If you have a standard of play, the points will fall where they fall on a week-to-week basis. And that, that's yeah. when we talk about the process. That's why I say – like there's a there's a statement I say that sounds – if you don't understand what I mean, it's going to sound like what is this guy talking about? And what I've always said was you can't be so focused on the result of the winning and losing result. That can't be your focus. And what I mean by that is not that winning and losing doesn't matter. Because it does. It's that winning, just winning, isn't – isn't the standard for a team that wants to compete for a championship. Right. Nick Saban has proven this. Urban Meyer proved this. Dabo Sweeney proved this. It's that you can't play. You you can't just say, hey, we went out and beat this team by six and that team by seven because what's going to happen is when you start playing the better teams in your schedule, you're going to lose. And and everybody talks about, you know, Brian Kelly's record since 2017. I think it's like 52 and nine now, 53 and nine now. But I'll continue to point out, it's like, 13 and nine against ranked opponents it's un, you're undefeated against bad teams okay so clearly the success you're having against unranked opponents teams that you're superior to in every way is not when the competition is a little bit more on the same level and this is exactly why because brian kelly right. gets so focused on being mad at us because we're not happy with a 28 to 3 win over a virginia team that was giving up almost 35 points a game to power five opponents coming into the game he shouldn't be mad at us. He should he should hold his team to a higher standard than we do. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole point. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the difference is, is when you have a standard of, yes, we won, but now that doesn't mean he publicly comes out and says, after every win, you give your kids no love. You do, hey, fellas, you know what? You battled your butts off. There's some stuff we got to clean up. We'll get in the film room, but you know, way to get it done. Yeah. That matters. But you also then get out on the practice field and you get in the film room and you let them know this is not good enough because it's not to our standard. Our standard isn't you only score seven points in the second half. That's not the Notre Dame standard. The Notre Dame standard is not turning the ball over two times in the second half. I don't care that Virginia – like he made a comment, well, Virginia was never really competitive. doesn't matter. It's not the point. This isn't about Virginia. This is about you. You scored seven points against a bad defense in the second half. That doesn't have anything to do with Virginia. Well, they weren't really in it, so we didn't. Okay, that's again that feeds into your mindset of of the fact that you've you've always got to be on, you know, you always got to hold your team to that standard. Because once you start to let up because of the situation, then you just can't turn that switch back on. And this is the point right. that I've always tried to make. And, and so that's what that means is it's I'm holding you to our standard, and that never changes. And it's not about beating Virginia. It's about playing to our standard. It's not about beating Georgia. It's about playing to our standard. Because if you play to your standard and another team beats you, then you can look and say, you know what? They're better than we are right now. What can we do to be better than them? 
Is it a schematic thing? Is it a talent thing? Is it a preparation thing? What is it? But when you don't play to your standard and you lose those games because you don't play to your potential, it's a lot harder to really evaluate just where you are and how you stack up against those teams. And that's the point of, of when we talk about, when we're critical of you only won by this. And people say, well, you know, one by 25, you should be happy. If 25 of a 25 point win was anywhere close to the best that Notre Dame could have done on Saturday night, I'd have been like, hey, man, it's a great, great job. Great yeah. job. Do what you do. Yeah. But it wasn't. And that, that, that's 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 the problem that we have. I'll answer one more question and then we'll probably sign off. But uh, is Mayor leaving for the draft this year? He can't. You have to be right. three years removed from high school. What the, the, the question was, would he sit out next year? Right. Right. So like. 2022 draft right he can't he can't go to the 2023 draft so the question is could he would he sit out next year right and i don't see that happening i just i I don't in any way shape or form see that happening